We're going to begin a new Parsha, Parsha's Miketz, and it's got to be connected to Hanukkah somehow, and we're going to figure it out, or we'll have to send it to the research department, one or the other. <laughs> okay, so we begin a new Parsha. The last week's Parsha ends at a real cliffhanger where Yosef asked the, the cupbearer, please tell the Pharaoh about me. I'm just... Um, you know, suffering away over here in the prison and I've been in false charges. Please do me a favor, just say something. And how does it end last week's Parsha? The cupbearer just forgets about Joseph. It's like, never happened. Now let's see what happens. This is where it picks up. Yosef is in prison and and the cupbearer has been freed and, and gone back to his position as a cupbearer. And let's see what happens next it was after at the end of two years so two years since Yosef had asked the cupbearer to mention him as Rashi said he had to spend another two years in prison two years later Paro has a dream behold he was standing by the Nile Says Rashi, most by the canal. He says by the canal. Yeor is canal. No other rivers are called Yeoirim except the Nile because the entire land is covered with many man-made canals, Yeoirim. And the Nile rises in their midst and waters them for it does not usually rain in Egypt as it does in other countries. So Rashi is commenting on the word for the Nile. He called the, In the Hebrew, it's Yeor. And the, the Nile is a river, right? It's not a canal, but really the word here is yeor, which is a canal. So he's explaining why is the Nile called a canal when it's a fact of river? And the answer is that the Nile would fill the, the canals that would, that would water all of Egypt. It's, it's, Egypt doesn't have rain. It needs to be watered in this way. Okay, so Paro's dream, he's standing by the Nile. He named behold from the Nile, seven cows are coming up. You face they look good, handsome appearance. Uvri is they're of robust flesh. But they pastured in the marshland. So, they pastured like Roya as a, as a shepherd, in the marshland. Rashi tells us, Rashi already interprets the dream for us. Takes all the suspense out of it. Good-looking cows. This is a symbol of the days of plenty. Why are they a symbol of the days of plenty? Now, you might think, well, the good-looking cows. So that's a sign of, 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 of health and of, and of plenty. Rashi says no. The reason they're a symbol for that is when, when people, creatures, he says, appear handsome to one another. Handsome is not the right word over here. Yofis look good to one another. Why? No one envies his fellow. When everybody has what they need, when you see somebody else, you look at them with a favorable eye. They look good to you. 
But when everybody is fighting for a piece of bread, then when you see another person, when you're not secure, when you're in a state of desperation, you see another person, you see it, you see a, a, um, a challenge, you see a, a competitor, and they don't look good to you. Even if they are good looking, they will not look good to you. And so the symbols, symbolism of the good looking cows, a face mata that appear that appear handsome, that appear attractive, that is a sign of times of plenty, because in times of plenty, when you're feeling secure, you have a generous eye in the way that you perceive others. Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, right? So the way you perceive others, it comes from what's happening with own, within your own life. And now you have seven other cows who are all, all coming up from the Nile, Acharein after them. They're of ugly appearance. They look bad. And they are of lean flesh. Right? So Rashi, in the earlier Rashi, there's two things. There's the appearance and there's the robust flesh. You would think that to be a sign of you know, plenty, you just need robust flesh. What is the the um, handsome appearance have to do with anything? That's what Rashi is explaining before. The handsome appearance is about the perception of the people during a famine or during times of plenty. So here you have the same thing, that the cows are not just lean of flesh, which would symbolize years of, of famine, but also of ugly appearance, meaning it's going to be a time, I'm assuming this is what Rashi would say about this, that it'd be a time when people will look at others and have a negative a negative uh, view of the other. Now, here's a big part of the, of the dream. And I think... Uh, yeah, somehow, somehow my camera like just hits off. Okay, so so um, this is an important part of the dream. Now, the two sets of cows... I'm sorry, the second set of cows... They stand next to the cows, the other cows, on the edge of the river. So at the same time, you've got the seven and the seven. The seven handsome and healthy cows and the seven ugly and lean cows. And they're standing simultaneously at the same time. This is an important piece of the story. Number four. So the cows... Now eight, which cows? The ugly cows and the lean cows now ate and consumed the seven cows that were good looking and that were healthy. But Yikats Paro wakes up, Mazeltov, he had a dream. Rashi again interprets the dream for us, doesn't wait for Yosef. He says, Simon Shate, what does it mean that? The lean cows ate the robust cows. This is a sign. It's a symbol that that the whole joy of the plenty is going to be forgotten during the times of famine. In other words, could be you have the times of plenty, then you have the times of famine, and the times of famine, you suffer. But at least you have the memory of, ah, when the times were good. My brothers have a song with the, which they got from the mikvah man. In Crown Heights, he said, Vibis the given when the gelt is given. 
Hillel can translate. Vibis the given when the guilt is given. Where you were when the, the money were there, you know. <laughs> Where were you when the money was there? Vibis to given when the guilt is given. When the leaven is given, ziker zis. Yeah, the life was so sweet like sugar, huh? <laughs> That's right. Vibis to given when the guilt is given. At the leaven is given, ziker zis. Ain't bisti da. Today you're here. King guilt yeah. is nish da. There's no money. Yeah. Him lamenamen afabis. Yeah. Let's have a little lachaim. Fabis. Yeah. So. You ever heard this expression, Hillel? You ever heard this uh, song or poem? No, I, this is first time, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what Rashi is telling us that the 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 animals, the 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 the, uh, the, the skinny animals eating the other ones, consuming them, what that says, it's more than there's just going to be a famine because you know, if it meant the famine will the the uh, the years of plenty would be over, so then. You know the the uh, the robust cows would fade into the distance, and now you have the the skinny cows. But the fact that they consume them means that in the times of the famine, it's going to be so bad, you're not even going to remember the good times. It's going to be like they never happened. That's how bad the famine is going to be, which also can can represent a, a type of uh, attribute of a person, which sometimes people can experience where they really forget. And when they go through a challenge, like we can really forget that it was ever good. It's like, again, I go to my uh, three-year-old slash four-year-old. Now he's already six, but I remember it well when he was three or four. That this is the worst day of my life, right? If something happened, he spilled his ice cream. The worst day of my life. Now I've used children as an example because I don't want to offend anybody, especially myself, since adults can also be this way. I use the children as an example, so we make it more palatable, and uh, we can forget. We can forget that even earlier in the day things were amazing, or a week ago, or a year ago. It's a challenge to remember, and this is a curse. This is what this dream is representing: that there would be a, a time and an experience where you just forget about anything good ever happening. I mentioned in the past, the Rebbe writes in some letters to people who are complaining about things is don't don't you see don't you can't you see what, what what you experienced in your life what miracles you've had what blessings you've had you completely forgot about all that stuff and you're just so entrenched in your current situation so it takes a little bit of wisdom and a little, a little bit of blessing to be able to have a, a clearer perspective verse five vayishon paro being a king goes back to sleep vayachalim shenis he has another dream, a second dream. Vihine, behold, sheva shibolim, seven stalks, seven ears of grain. Oilois bekona echod bris v'tevis, or growing on one stalk, healthy and good. Rashi gives us some French translations here, which doesn't really help me since I don't speak French. Vav vihine sheva shibolim, and behold, there are seven stalks that are dakois; they're thin. They're beaten, shedufois, kodim, by the east wind. Kedem is, is east. And they're growing up after them. Verse 7. Um, 
the thin ears of grain swallowed up. Sounds familiar. The seven healthy and full ears of grain. Para wakes up again. Behold, it's a dream. So he's got two dreams, basically have the same theme. And as Rashi tells us, He has a whole dream. It was completed. And now he needs interpreters. It is in the morning. His spirit was troubled. Um, interesting. There's a word for in Hebrew for a bell is pa'amon. Pa'amon. So this word here, vatipoim, is like it was like a bell going off in his head. He's troubled. He sends for and he calls for the wizards. Oh, actually, he says the necromancers of Egypt. Necromancers, they 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 derive things from, from the bones of the dead. All their chachomim, or their wise guys. And Paro tells to him his dream. Nobody can explain it. Oh, Rashi says that. Huh. What do you know? That, 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 that it's like shaking in, in, his, in, his, in his spirit like, like a bell. Rashi cites regarding Nebuchadnezzar, he also had, was agitated, agitated by, um, and there he uses the word vatispa'im, which shows that he was more agitated. That's because he forgot the dream and the interpretation. But, but Paro, he, had, he was only a little bit agitated because at least he remembered the dream. He just didn't remember the interpretation. Khartume, Rashi indeed says, those who would use the bones of the dead to inquire of the bones of the dead. So khartume, the word tume means bones in Aramaic. And the, says Rashi, no one can interpret it for Paro. They were, did interpret them, but not to Paro. What does that mean? They were telling it to Paro, but what they were saying did not enter his ears. It didn't resonate with him. And he had no satisfaction from their interpretation. Because they were saying, for example, they said, you're going to have seven daughters, and then you're going to have seven sons that you're going to bury. I'm sorry, seven daughters that you're going to bury. And this, this didn't make sense to him. I think Rashi says it, that he knew the interpretation of the dream. So one of the commentators says he knew the interpretation of the dream, and it didn't resonate with him. The Rebbe has a different explanation. We'll get to it later. Verse 9, so now this cupbearer wakes up and he tells the Paro saying, As my, my sins, my faults, I mention today. I bring to beer today. Paro got angry at his servants and he put me in prison with the, at the house of the chief slaughterer, me and the baker. And we had a dream. And one night, he, me and him, each one had with the interpretation of his dream. And there was a Nariri, there was a young Hebrew. As Rashi will tell us, he was trying to put down Yosef in this description. So he calls him a Nar, just a child. Eved, he's a servant. Shouldn't, uh, he can't be a king. 
And Ivri, he doesn't even speak our language. He's a Hebrew. He doesn't speak a normal English. Salat Abochim. And when Asaperla, we told him our dreams and he interpreted for, for, for us each one appropriately. And what he interpreted, that's what happened. I was returned to my position and he, the baker, was killed. So when the Paro hears this, Paro sends and calls for Yosef and he takes him out of the pit and he, and he has him shaved and his clothing changed. By the way, this was Rosh Hashanah. This day was Rosh Hashanah. And he came to Paro. Why did he shave? Why did he get a shave? In honor of the throne, as Rashi says. That concludes the Parsha for today. And I will attempt to stop the shear and open it up to questions and or comments. One one question which I haven't seen addressed: Why do these why do these kind of critical dreams come in pairs? You know, with Joseph's dreams and the and the Pharaoh's dreams. That's a great point. Well, with with um, with Yosef's dream, Yosef is actually going to part of his interpretation is going to be um, why he's having this double double dream, and it's that he actually said this in the Torah that that uh, God is basically telling him that this is going to happen now. It's happening soon. This is not um, not something down the future. This is happening now. That's what that's that's why it's repeated twice. Yosef's dream, there could be other interpretations, but one of them is that um, one of his dreams has to do with the physical world. You know, the, the bundles right. of... Uh, bundles bowing down to him, the bundles of grain. And then his second dream has to do with the spiritual world, with the sun, the moon, and the stars. And so that represents his um, leadership, both in the physical plane, as we see that he ends up feeding them, and also in the spiritual plane that Yosef is a, you know, a spiritual light and teaching to them. So with the, the uh, and, and the sudden Pharaoh's dreams, it's curiously reversed. It's the, the, the ends with this kind of stalks of rain right and 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 it's and uh, joseph's dream starts with the bushels right bowing to the rain so there's a certain kind of similarity with these uh, two these two dreams in that respect yeah the, the, although also a, a stark contrast that that paro's dream are only about the physical and they think right. the rabbit talked about this uh Hasidus talks about it and, and commented that you know, Pharaoh being Pharaoh, all he can dream about is the physical world. And Yosef's dream includes also the spiritual. Right. The heavens. Also in Yosef's dreams, uh, the, you know, the one stack of, you know, grain, whatever was it, uh, he didn't, you know, do anything, anything, you know, bad to others. They just bound with him, you know, he didn't eat them or something, you know. You see what I'm saying? Like this, the seven bad ones, they ate the other ones, but they just bow to them, you know, that's all. And right. uh, there is no huge, you know, you know, thing between them happen. You know, if you didn't, you know, eat them or something, you know, no revenge was basically.
Were you right. saying, uh, Rabbi, were you saying that possibly uh, Pharaoh was was testing Joseph that he knew these dreams weren't being interpreted properly, but that Joseph could prove himself by by interpreting them? Is that? Does that I don't mean? think so. I, I don't. I think that um, you know, Paro was desperate. He was desperate for an interpretation of the dream, and I think that the cupbearer. The reason he finally mentions Yosef is not out of any kindness to uh, Yosef, um, but because he's afraid that if word gets out that there's this dream interpreter in the prison and the cupbearer didn't say anything about him when the when Pharaoh is turning over Egypt mm-hmm. trying to figure this out, then he would be in trouble. Right. <laughs> so Yosef is, is not being tested, I don't think. I think that he is... Um, you know his his services are needed. Yeah, yeah. Desperately, and the and the test, the only test is that will the dream resonate and will the dream interpretation resonate with Pharaoh? I'll, I'll give you the the Rebbe's interpretation. Rebbe's interpretation of it is that I remember, if you remember, I mentioned that there's a key phrase that holds the key to it is. Um, that the that the seven that the fourteen cows were standing simultaneously simultaneously on the edge of the river, and that's the kind of anomaly of the dream. If it's just about, in other words, bigger question is why was it so complicated to interpret this dream? I mean, famines happen all the time in those days. And you have you know robust robust cows, and there's lean cows. One eats the other. I mean, it's it, or maybe it's one of those things that after you hear it, you're like, yeah, that sounded so obvious, but you know, it wasn't so obvious till you thought it, till you heard about it. Um, and so there's something about this dream, and if these, they are the wizards, so you could probably take the approach that God hand God's hand is here, and He's causing the wizards of Egypt to just you know not get it, and Pharaoh not to get it. That seems like a appropriate approach. That's not the Rebbe's approach. Rebbe's approach, based on Rashi, is that it was this part of the dream. Why are they standing simultaneously? Why does that? Why does that a feature of the dream? You know, what, what does that represent? If there's plenty and there's famine, it's either plenty or there's famine. What does that mean that they are standing together? What does that represent? That was, and that's why Rashi quotes. This the uh, one of the interpretations because the Medrash has a whole bunch of different interpretations that the wizards gave, but Rashi chooses one, and that is you're going to have, um, you know, seven daughters, and then you're going to bury seven daughters because then some that somehow explains that I can't remember why, but somehow that that uh, that tries to address that. But in any event, R- Yosef's interpretation will explain that, and how does it explain it? He says because during the years of plenty. You've got to think about because that's part of the, the advice in the dream. In other words, the dream is not just what's going to happen, but the dream actually contains the antidote. Yeah. Right. And that answers another question, which was when Yosef comes, he starts giving advice. He starts telling Paro, this is what you should do. You should, uh, you know, he starts giving it. And as the Rebbe asks and other commentators, Yosef was not asked to give advice. He just was taken out of prison. He was just asked to interpret the dream. Why is he giving advice? The Rebbe's explanation is that, he you know, that's part of the interpretation. It's part of the interpretation. The dream contains within it the antidote, which is that there has to be a thought 
during the years of plenty, there has to be forethought that there's going to be these years of famine. And that's represented by the fact that the, the robust cows and the lean cows are standing at the same time. You need to keep in mind the years of famine during the good times. You can't forget that it's not always going to be like that necessarily. And then during the famine, you're going to have the years of plenty with you because you'll have stored it away for a rainy day. And of course, that has a beautiful lesson to all of us since life is kind of like that cyclical that we need to bear in mind in the good times to, to store up for the, for the rainy days and recognize that you know, this, is the, this is the way of life. And during the rainy days to have that inspiration and also the memory of it, not to forget it and to, to recognize and be filled with that um, inspiration to be able to make it through the difficult times. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another wonderful, amazing Parsha class. Thank you for joining us. Uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And Thank I you. hope to see you again tomorrow night for an amazing Parsha. <laughs> Thank you. Thank as the Parsha continues. Thank you. All right. Rabbi, do you think I could, you, when you stop recording, I could ask you a non-Parsha question real quick? Absolutely. But I want to wish everyone first of all a happy Hanukkah and enjoy your second night. I hope you lit the menorah. And if you didn't, it's not too late. Yes. Two candles tonight, plus the shamash. And uh, wishing everybody a really beautiful and light-filled Hanukkah. Thank you. Happy Hanukkah.